Now, I'm not sure about you, <clears throat> um, but this could be me. Um, I'd like to say that it was probably only one day of the week, uh, Monday, but actually in reality it's probably often Monday to Friday, depending at different times. <clears throat> and too often I see my daily routine as, as plagued with interruptions by other people, often obstacles that prevent me getting through my to-do list. Um, and if I'm honest, I suspect we're probably all like that at some point in time. There may be some saints amongst us for whom very little uh, raffles us and very little interrupts us. But I suspect most of us have our plans and agendas and don't necessarily feel comfortable when we are interrupted. But what I want to think about today is what if we viewed these interruptions not as inconveniences, not as distractions to actually achieve our agenda, but actually as opportunities that God is giving us to touch people's lives, to make a difference. And the story that um, Philip read out earlier is an example of where this happened in Jesus' life. So we meet Jesus in this story, traveling throughout Galilee, he has recently chosen his disciples. He has previously healed many people, uh, including Peter's mother-in-law. He angered um, the religious leaders by healing uh, a man possessed with an unclean spirit on the Sabbath and in the synagogue. When his disciples wanted him to stay in Capernaum, where he had healed Peter's mother-in-law, um, he had actually just been to pray, and he had effectively refocused what he was doing. He seemed to be refocused back on his mission. And what he said to the disciples was, no, I'm not prepared to stay here. My, my mission now, and probably has been always, is to go and preach in other villages around here. Um, so I'm not staying here. I'm moving on. So undoubtedly, at the time when Jesus bumped into the leper, or if you like, the leper effectively, seemingly out of nowhere, came and fell before Jesus Effectively, I suspect that Jesus had a lot going on in his mind at that point. Um, the leper confronts him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, probably to the amazement of Jesus' disciples, his followers, Jesus actually does stop at that point and gives this man his attention. Jesus doesn't walk around him. He doesn't pretend he hasn't seen him. He doesn't say, sorry. I've got no time. And effectively, in contrast, he allows his leper to interrupt his schedule. This is a person who the religious leaders would have shunned and avoided, where perhaps probably his disciples also would have done the same thing. And yet Jesus not only makes time for him, he actually does touch him, he does actually heal him. So who is this person that Jesus lets interrupt his schedule? We're not told his name. We're not told where he comes from. We're not told his age. We're not told anything about his background. All we know about this man is that he has leprosy. We don't know how advanced his condition was. We don't actually know how severe the disease was. But we do know it was, he was recognisable as a leper. Now, because this story is so well known to us, it's very difficult, I imagine, for us here to really appreciate how shocking the leper's approach to Jesus was or how radical Jesus' encounter with him 
And Jesus' reaction to him was. Now, most of us have probably never seen or experienced leprosy. Um, We're fortunate to live in a country where leprosy doesn't really exist. However, it is still prevalent in other parts of poverty-stricken nations of the world, particularly Africa and Asia and India. Leprosy attacks the nerves in the skin and joints. It causes a loss of sensation. It results in disfiguring skin sores, lumps or bumps. It leads to muscle weakness and atrophy and to permanent disability. Without the ability to feel pain, everyday activities are fraught with danger. Unnoticed burns or ulcers can lead to permanent disability. Unfelt grit in the eye results in blindness, which is a common consequence of leprosy. Untreated, it is a horrendous disease that leads to death. And these pictures that are on the screen here give some idea of the damage that leprosy can do. I have to say, I looked up leprosy and images in Google um, when I was preparing for this, and these were probably some of the nicest, if you like, pictures that I could actually show of this disease, because many of them were much more distressing. But I think it's something about getting over how shocking this was when this man came to Jesus, something that we have sanitized, if you like, in the West. We just don't see this. Today, we actually know that leprosy is a mildly infectious disease, that it is not that easy to catch, and it can be easily treated. However, in Hebrew culture, there was no condition that was more despised or feared than leprosy, and it was considered that only God could actually cure it. In scripture, leprosy is a word which is covered by several types of virulent skin condition, As Philip read out in Leviticus, there were strict rules describing how to diagnose these skin conditions. I imagine that passage that Philip read out is not one of the ones that we ordinarily leap to when we're doing our Bible reading plan. But actually, it is very interesting how strict the rules were about diagnosis and how severe the restrictions were on those who were unfortunate enough to be diagnosed as having this disease. Because leprosy was considered to be highly contagious, lepers were banished to live outside their community. They were ostracized and separated from family and friends. They were treated as outcasts. They had to tear their clothes, put a covering over their upper lip, and cry, unclean, unclean, whenever approaching people to warn them of their nearing presence. Now, it might be just worth a moment to think, how would you feel if you were this person? Lepers were also excluded from worship and from the temple. It was commonly thought that leprosy was a punishment for sin. So the guy who who came in front of Jesus, the leper, effectively was not only ostracized from family and friends and from society, he was also effectively separated from God. So, in addition to contracting this disease that would result in diminishing health, effectively rendering any leper a dead man walking, lepers faced this devastating consequence and emotional anguish 
of living in social and spiritual isolation as an untouchable, with no hope, no hope of life being different. It was an extreme violation of Levitical law for lepers to approach people. This forbidden action would likely be punishable by stoning. Yet there was something about Jesus, something that made this desperate man disregard the law and risk further rejection and stoning by boldly approaching him with a passionate plea for help. But what about Jesus's initial reaction? This story is a bit like the Titanic movie. We all know the ending of the tragedy, but the details in the middle are a bit fuzzy. Likewise, in this story, we know the outcome. Jesus speaks to the leper. He touches the leper, and the leper is healed. Yet there is some uncertainty about Jesus' initial response to this unexpected and demanding interruption. I'll just give you a moment to read that slide. The vast majority of translations, such as the King James or the New Living Translation or the Good News, this is the New Living Translation, describes Jesus' reaction as being moved by compassion or by pity. However, as Philip read out, the translators of the most recent version of the New International Version have interpreted Jesus' reaction to be one of indignation. These provide us with significantly different interpretations of Jesus' feelings and motivation towards this leper. This this variation in translation has come about because biblical scholars have selected to use different Greek manuscripts of Mark's gospel in their translation. And there are many arguments for both interpretations, and there is no consensus as to the correct meaning. Now, I'm sure if I were to ask for a show of hands this morning as to which interpretation we think is correct most of us would probably select the first. If we are honest, we tend to feel more comfortable with the idea of Jesus being moved by compassion or pity, motivated to respond to the plea of someone in desperate need. I suspect many of us here today feel uneasy about an indignant Jesus. I don't know, I was trying to look around when Philip was reading it out to see whether anybody went, ooh, Gosh, I wasn't expecting that word at that point. But we often struggle and want to explain away passages where Jesus appears to be angry or harsh. We are uncomfortable with Jesus having these negative emotions. For example, when he angrily overturns the money changers table in the temple. Or his apparent sharp comment to the Syrophoenician woman calling her a dog. We prefer to have a loving kind, predictable Jesus. Yet what if Jesus really was indignant? Could it be that Jesus wasn't pleased at having his mission interrupted? Could it be he knew that there would be consequences if he healed this man? Certainly later verses in this passage describe how Jesus's mission is hindered as a result of helping this leper. 
Indignation like this would be a fairly human response, and many of us might have had it if we were in his place. Or perhaps it could be that Jesus' indignation is directed towards the leper's situation and not to the leper himself. Undoubtedly, those following Jesus would have been repulsed by the leper. They would have been looking to distance themselves from him. They would have been fearful of his bold approach. Could it be that Jesus is reacting to an injustice which excludes people? Those who are vulnerable, outcasts, unloved, feared... Yet this is someone God loves and values, a person who is in need, but who society shuns, rejects and fears. Almost regardless of the truth of Jesus' feelings or motivation, he still chooses to act and heal the leper. Jesus looks beyond the disease that is destroying this man's life, beyond how society views lepers as unwelcome and untouchable. He sees the potential for wholeness and an opportunity to restore and to help. Jesus acts in a very intentional and radical way. He also violates Levitical law by touching the leper. In effect, he openly defies the existing power structure. He doesn't just say, be clean. He challenges the status quo by touching an unclean person and makes him clean. He transforms this leper's life. He restores him physically by healing him of his disease. But but, but perhaps as importantly, he heals him emotionally. It is hard to imagine what the touch of Jesus, the touch of another human, must have felt like to this leper. In being healed, Jesus gives back to him hope and meaning. He will be welcomed back into society, back into his family, back into community, and he'll be able once again to worship with God's people in the temple. In allowing this interruption, Jesus, who had been preaching the kingdom of God, demonstrates to his followers how to practice it. So, What relevance is this story to us today in Belfast in 2015? I would like to make three suggestions about how this passage might apply to us. I'm going to actually outline briefly each of those suggestions, and after each one of them, I'm going to introduce a time for reflection using the phrase, let us consider and I'm going to follow that by a question. I will then allow just a few moments of time for us to be still and to be open to hear if God is speaking to us before we move on. So, what has this story to say to us? Maybe it challenges us to consider who are our nameless lepers? Who are our untouchables? Who are the people we shun or distance ourselves from or want nothing to do with? The people who we won't let interrupt our schedule. They could be individuals that we work with. They could be our neighbours. They could be a person in the pew next to us. They could be family members. 
They could be particular people groups that make us feel uncomfortable or threatened, who we avoid or exclude. For example, homeless people, travellers, migrants, LGBT people, loyalists, republicans, and so on. So let us consider, how does Jesus' attitude and actions to the leper speak to us? Maybe this story resonates with us because we feel like the leper. We feel nameless, isolated, ostracized, unclean. Maybe there is something in our past or in our present which makes us feel ashamed or guilty. We wear a mask with God and with others, perhaps even this morning, because we don't believe the real us would we built, will be welcomed or accepted. Let us consider, how did Jesus' words and his touch to the leper speak to us? And finally, maybe the story challenges us as church and how we engage with the world. The leper sought Jesus out at significant risk to himself. Why did he do that? Probably because he had heard of Jesus' reputation as one who welcomed him and healed people, and he risked everything believing that Jesus could help him. So what about us? What about us as church? What is our reputation? I recently heard someone describe two models of church. One is church as fortress, surrounded by impenetrable walls, protecting and defending those within, setting boundaries, controlling who is allowed in and who is kept out. And then secondly... Church as the Australian outback. Because of the vastness of the area involved in cattle farming in the Aussie outback, it is impractical to often use fences. So instead, farmers dig wells to provide water for their livestock. As a consequence, the cattle and other animals 
are attracted to this essential source for life and they never roam far. So as church, which model is us? Do we build walls or do we dig wells? Let us consider, how does the example of Jesus as the welcomer of the leper speak to us? God of the poor, friend of the weak, give us compassion, we pray. Melt our cold hearts, let tears fall like rain. Come, change our love from a spark to a flame. Amen. Amen.